Welcome to Lead with Less, the podcast for confident professionals with me, your host, Tash Peterson, Certified Leadership and Mindset Coach. This is the podcast for confident professionals that will help you move through overwhelm, burnout and self-doubt by sharing actionable strategies and practical steps that can have an immediate impact for you. With a mix of solo and guest episodes, I will share everything I've learned and applied over the last decade that has enabled me to create an extremely successful HR career and since then a profitable and thriving coaching business, all while blending it with everyday life and motherhood. I've also coached and empowered over 150 clients through one-on-one coaching and group programs to transform their lives and careers using these strategies. They now confidently thrive as their best selves and now I want you to have access to all of the goods too. This is the perfect spot if you're new to your career, a seasoned professional or aspiring into a people leadership role and want to lead with less so you can live and work with more confidence, clarity and energy. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Lead With Less. This one is with the incredible Michelle Weeks. Michelle is, again, a dear friend of mine. It's pretty much what I say about every guest that I bring on, but she is. She's incredible. She is a life coach for mums, and she used to be a teacher as well. So she has so much depth and breadth of experience in different phases and different chapters and one of the particular things that I love about Michelle is that she focuses on the mental load. Now she focuses on it specifically for mental load and motherhood and parenthood but the way that we talk about it in this episode is mental load in general, mental load with work, with life, just what is the mental load and how to navigate it and this is a really really key episode that I know is going to help you so I hope you really love it so I'm just going to introduce Michelle quickly before we dive into the episode Michelle is a life and mindset coach supporting mums to understand and lighten their mental load meaning they're able to soak up the little and big moments in their everyday lives with calmness and presence Michelle hosts the A Mother's Mind podcast, a candid podcast for mums exploring mindset, mental load and motherhood and is the creator of A Mother's Mind membership and one-to-one coaching opportunities. I love Michelle. I adore her. She is a mum of one currently and she is, at the time of recording this, expecting her second little bub, a beautiful little girl. So by the time this episode comes out, I think think she probably would have her little bubs so I'm really really excited to learn how to have clean rest so how to manage your mental load how to clear it so that you can have guilt-free rest and then I'm also looking forward to bringing her back again as a mum of two and how things have shifted for her in regards to mental load so I really hope you enjoy this episode this is going to be a pivotal one as life gets fuller and fuller and fuller and busier being able to manage and clear out and better reset your mental load is going to be hugely beneficial moving forward. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, hello, Michelle. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited about this episode. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to get Michelle on. As soon as I kind of conceptualized (laughs) Lead With Less, I was like, Michelle is the go-to all about mental load, clean rest. So this is what we're going to be talking about today, which I'm really looking forward to. So to kick us off, because otherwise I'll just go on a tangent of just catching up with you. (laughs) Can you tell us about your journey? Like what was your career and life path that led you to do what you do? And yeah, what's your impact and purpose and your why? Yeah, so I am a trained primary school teacher. So the primary career that I had coming out of university was a primary school teacher and I absolutely loved it. Um, It's definitely one of those kind of vocational careers that I I had and I loved for a very long time. I guess for me, um, a big part of my life and and the lifestyle that we have lived for a long time is that my husband is a, or has just retired from being a um, professional basketball player. So we really, um, for the first couple of years, I stayed home and was teaching. And then after a number of years, we decided that I would go on the road with him. Obviously, 
that life is very contract based. It's very um, a lot of moving around, moving sort of three to four to five times per year. Um, so for me, after uh, about eight or nine years in teaching uh, and then continuing that teaching while on the road with my husband, it really just got to the point where um, it was very tricky for me to continue on in teaching and getting re-qualified, re re-accredited um, everywhere that I went and then sort of being the new person in the school <laughs> every single place that we went every couple of months. Um, it also included, you know, a month or two of not being able to work while waiting for paperwork and those sorts of things. So long story short is that really based off that, I, I made um, a decision to to see what else was out there for myself um, and to really start looking at life coaching as as a way to continue, I guess, what I had done with children for a long time and helping them and helping them flourish and then looking at doing that for adults in an online sense and being able to continue to do that wherever we were in, in the world. So I guess um, for me, that was a really big mindset journey, a really, really big personal um, personal development change because it was a career that I loved so, so, so much. And I, you know, I think you obviously work with a lot of people that the career really is a lot of the identity of, of what it is that you do in your life. So I wasn't I didn't really at that point know who I guess Michelle was as a as a human. It was like I'm Michelle and I'm a teacher. Like the, those identities were very entwined. So for me to make that decision and and really go on a bit of a journey as to re recognizing like what who who am I as a as a human being and what do I love to do? How do I love to help people? And I invested quite a lot into my own mindset then. And then, yeah, built built a life coaching business, and um, I then made a little human, <laughs> created life. Yeah, created life exactly. So, um, at the time, I was supporting teachers with their um, their mindset and their burnout in my own business, and that has over time melded into really supporting mums with their mindset and and the mental load. So that's, I guess, where. I currently am in my business. It is like the most amazing path to be on. Um, I've always been someone that has really wanted to help people. Um, and now I've, I've upskilled myself enough to be able to recognize how to do that effectively for mums. Um, and, and the purpose that I have is being able to share that with mums and, and help them as the central cog of their family really work out how, how they can understand their mindset, how they can shift their mindset, how they can recognize the weight of their mental load and start to put in some strategies and some systems to support themselves first, primarily, um, and how that really flows out into their family, into them being able to soak up the everyday moments that they have with their family. And yeah, I guess just the impact that that has on, on their world and on the world as a whole as well. So yeah, I'm pretty, pretty in love with my life and what I've done and all the choices I've made and, and being able to support all the clients that I do as well. Oh, I love that. And I also love the, just the embracing of changing or shifting, expanding your business, your purpose, what you're doing as your life changed, like, and as you changed, right? Like you were a teacher, then you supported teachers, you became a mum, and now you support mums. And that's, you know, we met when you were at the beginning stages of your life coaching business. Um, when I was doing my certification, it was a year after you, I think. And yeah, like, it's just been beautiful to watch you transform with that. And I think that's one of the key things that I do with my clients is giving them pr the permission to also evolve their careers with themselves, which, you know, this isn't what we're talking about with your episode, but I just wanted to like recognize and acknowledge the permission giving there of like, we change and we morph and we expand as we go through different seasons and different chapters that the work that we do may shift and change. And that's really powerful too. So yeah. I love that. And I guess I mean, it, it takes, like you were saying, I think a, the permission is such a big part of that because we often feel like we have to, like I was saying with the, the identity piece, like it's so ingrained in us that we feel like we have to do things a certain way. We have to follow a certain path. So 
giving ourselves permission to recognize actually that there are multiple paths and it can take courage to to decide which one works best for you is such a powerful um and courageous i guess a thing to do as you do evolve as a human and as a person over your life and over your seasons of life as well so yeah really really powerful work yeah love it amazing so you talk a lot about mental load and motherhood. So that's one of the the key pillars that you talk about. It's one thing I really love. And it's one thing that you really brought to my attention also being <laughs> a mum that's just survived the first year. Uh, can you explain what the mental load is? And is it applicable or relevant to everyone? Or is it kind of something specific to motherhood? Yeah, just love to learn more about that. Absolutely. It is 100% applicable to everyone <laughs> but basically the mental load is really just the intangible work or the the cognitive load that it takes to run a household and I guess a, a whole heap of research shows that mothers or women in the household usually take on quite a bit more of the mental load of the household. There are lots of people doing really really powerful work to help shift that paradigm and to help um, I guess uh, challenge the the core of what that might suggest but really at the crux of it is that women take on a lot of the mental load in the family when we're talking about mental load I really like to talk of it in terms of two kind of sections the first is more the logistical side of things right so it's the packing the organizing the communicating the ordering the planning, decision-making, scheduling, all of those things that really need to happen for a household to run, right? Whether that is just yourself personally, whether that's you and a partner, whether you have a family, whatever whatever your own family circumstance is, the logistical side of things needs to happen for the household to be able to run. The other part of it, which I see very, very frequently in mums, particularly in the work that I do, is the emotional side of the mental load. And I think often that goes under-recognized when people talk about the mental load. And really that's things like, I guess, like supporting, empathizing, holding space for other people's emotions, um, worrying about other people. And I think often when you look at both of those elements that make up the, the mental load, and obviously there are other things as well, but those are the two that I find the most impactful to focus on. When you're looking at those things and you don't necessarily have strategies to support yourself, support your family, to support the mental load, the cognitive load that you have going on in your own mind, it can lead to you know a whole heap of different emotions and different um depletion of how you show up in the world how you show up in the world in all of the multiple different roles and hats that you you wear and really over time that is something that can be really exhausting and it can really lead to a dissatisfaction in your daily life <laughs> and really just this sense of feeling weighed feeling heavy um yeah i guess in that sense so that's when i say it's applicable for everyone hundred percent. We all have a mental load. Like we are humans. That's how our brain works. But I guess for me, the importance of really looking at the, um, the weight of that with the mother or the woman in the house and how I guess, uh, swayed it is towards, towards that side of things. And then how we can really support them to learn how to, um, share that and offload that. Oh my goodness. Just as you were talking about that, I was like, oh, it's it's wild like and Carl and I have like really consciously done what we can to balance or as best as we can equally blend the mental load so that it's not only you know a mother or a, a woman thing but I even just like as you're explaining that I was like oh my gosh like I can see like workplace mental load like just you can see it like and just I was just thinking I was like oh my goodness I can create like a leadership like mental load audit like I was just kind of playing it out in my mind and like the load of like team dynamics like is that load like how is that spread you know and yeah like as you say like it really is relevant to everyone because it's the way the brain works right it's like process driven structure all of those things and how much of that are we just carrying in the brain you know like and it's just piling and piling and piling and we're going to talk about how to obviously work through that but yeah like as you're talking about that I was like oh my gosh yeah <laughs> the heaviness is real totally and I think I always love to think of it in terms of um 
and I don't know if everyone has watched this, but often um, when way back in the day when there was the, um, what was it called? The Biggest Loser, mm-hmm. the the show. And, you know, they would lose all this weight. And then there's always this one episode where they like had all these sandbags that they would put in their backpack of all the weight that they had lost over their journey. Um, and then like slowly they would take it out or slowly they would put it, put it in. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've always loved the visual of that in terms of the mental load of like, really, when we, when you think about all of the logistical side of things, all of the emotional side of things, each one of those are little sandbags that we are carrying, right? And the more that we have, the heavier those sandbags become in our backpack, right? And so the more that we can learn to not only A, recognize what they are, because I think for so many of us, it's almost like just expected that mm. we carry the, the these little sandbags. Um, and so we don't actually put a lot of intentional thought or effort into recognizing what is actually making up that load at the moment, right? And yeah. so the more that you have in your little backpack, the more little sandbags you have, the heavier it is, obviously, but the more that you can recognize what those sandbags are and how they are having an impact on you, the more that you then become aware of how to further blend or balance that within your support base that you have. Mm. But really it's about recognizing what what those sandbags are. <laughs> yeah, but also actually like recognizing that they are there. Because exactly. like this I did a I recorded an episode with Professor Jared Hart all about burnout. And he said like through his research and data, he was shocked at how many people couldn't recognize that they were burnt out. They he did quizzes and surveys with all of them and they ticked all the boxes to show that they were burnt out. But when they were directly asked, Do you think you're burnt out? They're like, No, I'm fine. He's like, This is wild. Like and this and you know, when you said like it's just expected, I think it's even more than that. It's like it's normalized. You know, and I talk a lot about the difference between what's normal versus normalized. You know, burnout has become or like even just overwhelm or stress has become normal but I was like it's not normal it's been normalized that this is just how we live life you know and like like again like it's not normal for the mother to carry all of those things or the woman or at least one parent like you know for dads who might be the single parent like but it's become normalized because of also the way that our world is structured and our society is structured so it's not even just about knowing what the mental load is for you but like that you have one because I think you know even just for the people listening yeah, are most likely working in corporate, full-time jobs, you know, also trying to blend life in a way that is somewhat sustainable that they're thriving in. You know, it's just normal to be tired, normal to be stressed, normal to be busy, normal to be full, but it's actually know how much of that heaviness is the mental load that is not being addressed or recognized or um so actually that leads me really well into my next question for you was what are the key signals or signs that someone's mental load may not be supportive or at healthy levels you know what what might they be seeing what might they be feeling like what might their reality be day to day because I can imagine people like oh maybe you know because they don't really know what to what to look for like what the signals are so yeah if you could share some of that that would be amazing oh absolutely and I think obviously it's going to differ across every person's experience is so different of of this um depending on their own circumstances but some of the common threads that i tend to to hear about are um or probably the most common is like just this feeling of complete depletion and exhaustion and just burnout right where you've just like it's it can't be this way like it, it shouldn't have to be this way something has to change because I'm just not going to be able to continue on. So that's a really big one, which leads into often interrupted sleep. So, you know, you go to bed at night, you your mental load is heavy, you probably don't realise. Um, and then once your brain finally has this, uh, whether it's intentional or unintentional, permission to switch off, it's like, this is the moment. Like, this is my moment. I'm not being bombarded by a million other things. I'm going to take this moment now to try and deal with all the other things. Oh, is that what's happening? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So often interrupted sleep or like waking up um, with things on your mind or, or I have to do this, or I haven't, I haven't attended to this or, or, or stressed in general, stressed or anxious. 
an inability to really switch off, like truly switch off, be present with your loved ones, or just that feeling really patchy and feeling like it takes a heap of effort um, and oftentimes like discipline to to put things away so that you can feel present in the moment with your loved ones or so that you can give yourself the permission to switch off. Another one that I often see with with mums is a bit of resentment or frustration towards your role in in your family, in your life, right? Or really just this feeling of kind of feeling undervalued, right? Feeling like I'm doing so much that's maybe not being recognized and I feel really undervalued. So frustration, resentment towards where you are and and your roles and what that looks like in, in your own life. Um, another couple that are pretty prevalent are things like overthinking, catastrophizing, um, and those really being pronounced in your, in your daily life. So like ruminating a lot on thoughts that are coming through, um, I guess holding off or, or being a little less decisive in the decisions that you are making so that your brain continues in that cycle of overthinking or particularly with mums, that idea of catastrophizing. So the thoughts starting out down here um, and then the snowball building and building and building and then suddenly like we're at this panic state of whatever it is, whether it's a sickness, whether it's a um, a plan, whatever it may be. But really that overthinking and catastrophizing is, is often a, a sign or a symptom of a heavy mental load. And I guess another one is really feeling like you're pulled in a million directions like you're scattered, you constantly, like you might start something, not have the time or the space or the energy to be able to finish that thing. But then you're like, oh, but I have these other 15 things that I still have to do, right? So really feeling like you're starting many things or you're in a space where you have many things going on, but you're not really getting to the completion with any of those, or you're not really getting to the the place of peace with any of those. So constantly feeling like you're you're being pulled in a million directions as well. Mm. Obviously, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them, but um, those, I guess, are, are some ones that um, your listeners will be able to maybe do a little bit of a mental checklist <laughs> and see how that might showing up for them. I was absolutely just like taking off of like, being in a workplace like all of those are so applicable you know the the resentment and frustration of your role and being undervalued like how often are we seeing that in people's jobs of they're taking on more responsibility or they're picking up the slack or their team isn't resourced and so it's like oh I'm working longer I'm working more but I'm not being valued for that and like I'm not being paid or I'm not being you know yeah verbally acknowledged and so then yeah the frustration the resentment and yeah even the catastrophizing one like I mean I can definitely see that in motherhood for myself but also I can think of many moments in my corporate work or even just like in my job even now like being a business owner I can catastrophize of like it can be this one thing and then all of a sudden you're like oh my god my business is going to implode like <laughs> or I'm going to like lose my job or you know I'm going to make a mistake or whatever uh yeah so so applicable and also just very good signs to to notice like especially the waking so like you know waking and being like oh my gosh like this actually happened to me the other night I woke up to feed Jake it was 1am and I was like oh my gosh my launch email for the podcast didn't go out it was like 1am two days after it was meant to go out and on Wednesday I didn't even notice because my mental load that day I know and I was very aware was very heavy we were going through some personal stuff at the time so like that wasn't the top of the list. And I guess this is what can happen to people, right? It's, this is where we make mistakes, where we miss things, where, you know, and then because the the load is heavy and it may not even be heavy with work, it could be heavy with personal stuff, family, your children, or, you know, your friends or, or whatever, that then there's like less space for the other stuff to happen. There's less space to actually show up at work. There's less space to, to complete the tasks. Um, and actually just the other one where you're like the lack of completing things, it makes me think of like, you know, when you start like cleaning the kitchen and then you go to put the rubbish out and then you're like, oh my gosh, it's yep. like this thing. And then all, you know, and it's like the meme where it's like, how did I end up looking at photos of myself from 1989 <laughs> yes. when I started out cleaning the kitchen, you know? And it's like, yeah, it's that. Cause you just get so distracted and uh -huh. you see that in a workplace sense as well. Like yeah. I know when I'm, when my mental load is heavy because I just literally get nothing done. I get to the end of the day and I'm like, 
what did I even do though? So like, I love those. And I think that those are so simple. And what I would encourage listeners is like the one that struck you the most, like the one where you're like, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. like the one that like really hit you. I want you to just spend the next week really paying attention, like really becoming aware of where is that showing up? What are we, what are you doing or not doing that's contributing to that showing up? And that's probably one of the strategies that you'll share. But I just like wanted, like, as we were just talking about those signals, like make note of the signal that really hit you when Michelle was talking so that you can then come back to the strategies afterwards. So I really love those. I mean, I don't love them because obviously we don't want to be seeing them, but (laughs) so clear. And I love the way that you explained them. And yeah, even though you said like in motherhood, like I just see that like it's honestly so relevant and it's not helped by the way that our world is structured of the more, more, more doing, doing, doing fast, 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 busy, 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 full, full, full. Like that is just the structure of our world. And so to actually learn to practice recognizing this and to be able to be like, oh, okay, this is actually what's happening. And to then go, well, I want to change it. That's like courageous. That's an act of rebellion to like the norm, the normalized way that we live in. Um, So definitely can't wait to talk a bit more about that. But is there anything else you wanted to add to that before I ask my next question? No, I think, like I say, it's, it's a list of probably hundreds of them, but I think that's a pretty good idea as to um, like some of the really prominent, prevalent ones that, that come through regularly. So yeah. I love them like so relevant and I think you've you've captured them really well in terms of what's really key right now because I think that's even more emphasized just in I mean we're recording this in July so we're very much in a very uncertain time in the world which is also creating a huge fact on mental load for families for individuals so yeah it's yeah they're they're spot on I think with with where we're at. Absolutely. And I think to that point, we're also coming out of a really, um, you know, huge couple of years of, of particularly that emotional mental load side of things that has been challenged in ways that it probably has never been challenged for us as adults before. So we're really like coming off the, not necessarily coming off the back of it, but we're feeling the more normal side of society returning, right? And now it's our bodies and our minds really um, having to process that a little mm. bit more. You know, we're out of that like really crux period of of emotional mental load. And now it's allowing ourselves to recognize how that shows up and then to give ourselves the space to be able to process that as well. But that's a whole, that's a whole nother thing that we could talk about for hours. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, so to kind of come to to lead into, I guess, like, okay, well, as we're starting to deal with mental load, which we're going to share some tips and strategies to do that. One of the things that I really love you talking about is clean rest. It's this very, very clear term, specific term, clean rest. What is it? Like, I still am trying, like, I mean, I know what it is, but like (laughs) doing it is a a whole other thing. So what is clean rest? And how does the mental load, I guess, play a part in whether we can or struggle to have and enjoy clean rest? Yeah, I love that question. So clean rest is a really simple term for resting without guilt, right? And um, this is not a term that I coined myself. <laughs> um, I have worked um, and do a lot of work with Sam Laura Brown, who is a perfectionist coach for entrepreneurs. And um I have coached in her business for a very long time and and clean rest is is really something that we teach in her membership but really at the crux of it it is resting without guilt the important part about this is that it is a practice right it is a practice to be able to rest without guilt and From my own experience with building clean rest into my own life and going through periods where it feels very comfortable and periods where it feels very challenging, what I have learned is that the very first step is to be able to recognize how to rest with guilt, 
Mm. I think for so many of us, we're like, oh, clean rest, it sounds amazing, resting without guilt. And then we try it and then we're like, but I'm still feeling guilty, so I'm not doing it the right way, right? And it's that kind of perfectionist thinking that comes into it. And then we're like, oh, well, it clearly doesn't work for me. Mm. Whereas when we can start to recognize that this is very courageous to do, you know, like you were saying before, when we're in this society where it's a lot of the, the um, you know, the, the narrative is more, 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 busy, 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 full, 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 never enough, never enough, right? And so for us to be able to look at that and go, oh, clean rest, resting without guilt, like mentally our brain's going to immediately be like, hang on a second, like this is not a safe zone. I don't feel safe in cleaning, in, in resting without guilt. And the very first thing I want to say is that that's okay. This is a practice that we build over time. It's a practice that we look at and we go, it's courageous to want to rest without guilt. It goes against what we probably know at this point in time, even though we like idealize it and it sounds amazing and it sounds so great. But as we are implementing that, we really have to be in a growth mindset around it. We really have to see it as a practice that we are building the skill of learning and disconnecting with the story around rest and how it shouldn't happen and how it's unsafe and all of those things. And that process of disconnecting with that, that way of thinking and the stories that our brain has taken in from our past life, probably a lot from our parenthood or from our parents and our childhood, from society in general, right? It's going to take time to disconnect from that. And so the very first step is actually learning how to rest with guilt being present, right? And just letting that be okay. And once you're in that space that you're like, okay, you know, I can learn to rest with guilt. I'm not doing it wrong if guilt is here. And then you start to almost get much more into that growth mindset of, oh, okay, I can come, I can um, become comfortable within the discomfort of rest, which I know sounds really, really, um, you know, like such a cognitive di cognitive dissonance. Well, it sounds right? counterintuitive, right? It's like, yeah, but I want to rest like without guilt. Why are you telling me to rest with guilt? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like that is honestly how we get the brain to cooperate. If we can't even rest with guilt, like you will have a thousand times harder for your brain to fathom the idea or the belief that you can rest without guilt. Like you have to actually just even rest. Like the, like the clients that I work with, like to get them to just rest for five minutes is like, like how could you dare suggest that Tash? I'm like, but, but you can sit on Instagram for five minutes. So why can't you just like rest without the Instagram for the five minutes? Like that's resting, even though you might be thinking about work, but let's just like not work. For like the five minutes and so often though it is like it's that paradox that counterintuitiveness of like we actually need to learn to do the thing that is quote-unquote not healthy or supportive for us like if we're thinking like resting with guilt like it's not necessarily healthy because it's not helping us to actually switch off and like rejuvenate however but we actually just need to learn to rest in the first place whether or not guilt is there that's actually like we need to just do the action of the resting so I really love that you've said that of let's actually be okay to rest with guilt before we can even think about practicing the rest without the guilt so what is resting without guilt like if we could like put that in like the simplest layman terms like what's because guilt I guess there might be a lot of people that don't necessarily use the word guilt like you know or maybe they it's just not part of like kind of I guess the everyday conversation like what is resting without guilt like if we were to look at that or see someone doing it mm -hmm. what is it mm, I love that question and I think just to quickly touch on the point that you made before is it's it's really helping our brain to create safety in rest whereas at the moment like you were saying if if guilt is around yes it doesn't feel that productive it doesn't feel like we're getting to where we're wanting to be but really what at the core of it what what we're doing is we are providing um the scaffold for our brain to create safety around rest which at the moment it doesn't have right so that's that's the, what we're trying to do if you are resting without guilt 
that can look and feel so different for everyone. Sometimes that can be space, you know, in a beautiful, like, you know, the bubble bath, the self-care, all of those things that we have. But really, um, I have found in my own way, there's no real, like there's no check box or list of things that I have that this is clean rest, this is clean rest. I can tick this off. But what I have found is that when I am doing something, when my mental load is not front and center, Right. It's not that I am, my brain is in this like really active mode of all the things that I have going on and that I can actually just be present in the moment with whatever it is that I'm doing. So the activity itself isn't necessarily um, the ticker box as to whether it's rest or not. It's really what, what my brain is doing in that moment. It's my Ooh. brain is present in the moment. It is allowing me to do whatever the task is or the activity is that I'm doing without feeling the need to be doing something else Mm. or the need to be attending to something else. Or making yourself feel bad that you're doing the thing right now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So for some days, like some days for me, clean rest involves being with my son. And other days it involves me sitting down with a book or doing some journaling or going for a walk or whatever that may mean. Each time it it is different because of the way that my brain is operating in that moment, right? So when when I am in clean rest, I am doing the thing that I'm hoping, doing whatever the activity is, I'm doing that and I'm in the moment with that, right? I don't have any expectations of myself or my brain or anything to be anywhere else. Yeah. And that's really what it looks like because often, you know, you could be in the most lovely day spa in the world And if your brain is going at a million miles an hour and you're feeling guilty for being there and you're not feeling like you're resting, that is not really going to be the ultimate um, achievement of clean rest. Yeah. As you're learning to do that, yes, you can rest with guilt and you can provide the safety net around that. But ultimately, resting without guilt is where your brain is in that moment. And the permission Mm. that your brain is giving you to be in that moment and to do that activity and to really feel like you don't have to be or do, or be in a million different places at once. Oh my gosh, that like, I don't know why I hadn't thought of it like that. That just, that makes it seem, well, not even seem, like that makes it so clear. Because I think there's probably people that were listening to this, because this is what I definitely thought it was. Like, you're just doing nothing. Like you're, you know, like, oh, like I'm journaling or I'm meditating. And I think a lot of people kind of take this back to like, oh, when you're practicing mindfulness, you're meditating. It's like, actually, no, like mindfulness is just being present. Like it's just being paying attention to what you're doing. But I love that that's what you said. It's like, it's not a specific task or activity that you have to be doing, but it's the, it's what you're choosing to do in that moment that you're actually there with it. Yeah. Like that you're not oh, I need to be doing this work and I need to be doing this or I shouldn't be doing this or I shouldn't be doing that. And that just made me think of the other day because for those who aren't parents, you may not. I mean, actually, you will relate to this. Like when Jake is like playing by himself and I'm kind of sitting on the couch and I'm like just on my phone because he's he loves independent play, which is huge and amazing. Um, But I realized like I was like, I'm actually just going to put my phone down and I'm just going to watch him or I'm just going to sit here. And I realized like even just five minutes, I felt far less tired because I wasn't trying to do, like I wasn't trying to reply to an email or I wasn't, because that wasn't my work day. Like I'm here with him, which means I'm not working. So there should not be an expectation that I can be working because that's not what I'm meant to be doing or that's not what I've tasked myself to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I realized I was like, oh, this, this is what clean rest is. Like, (laughs) you know, it's also like you can be watching Netflix, but how many of us are watching Netflix and also scrolling our phone at the same time? So watching Netflix can actually be rejuvenating because you're not necessarily actively using the brain. You're just kind of watching something. But if there's Netflix and you're on your phone trying to like consume stuff, that's when it becomes exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. When you described that, I was like, oh, (laughs) that's what it is. And this is why... I feel so rejuvenated after going for a walk because I very rarely will allow people in my ears while I'm going for a walk. 
it's a very intentional choice to be like, I'm going for a walk so I can voice note people or like, yes. like voice note clients and because I'm coaching them or I'm like, there's a podcast that I want to listen to and I want to go for a walk to do that. But 90% of the time I go for a walk and there's nothing. And yep. that makes sense to why that feels so rejuvenating because I'm not consuming at the same time. Like I'm actually just being present to the activity of walking and feeling the sun on, you know, or like feeling the wind in my, you know, hair. I want to be like cliche about it, but <laughs> oh my gosh, just like when you like light bulb moment, like I hope that listeners like have the same light bulb moment because it's just like <laughs> life changing. Um, that is just amazing. Like, thank you so much for explaining that. Oh my gosh, you're so welcome. <laughs> so if people are, you know, experiencing clean rest or like practice, I should say, practicing clean rest. And and what I want to give people permission of listening, it's like, it doesn't have to be an hour of clean rest. It can literally be five minutes of, wow, five minutes I was really just present. Like I was really just in the moment right here. Huge. Amazing. With the, when we're practicing clean rest more and more, when we're making it something that we value, something that's a priority for us, what would we, what could be possible for us like what would we see change what would yeah like what are we noticing yeah I think um so I I do a lot of work with clean rest and obviously lightening the mental load um and and working those two things in in together in together um I think really when you are in the practice of experiencing it you unlock I guess unlock is the way to think of it but like you really create space in your life to do the things that you need to do in a really focused and direct way, right? So instead of trying to do a million different things at once, you allow yourself, you allow your brain the space to have rest, which means that when you're asking it to switch on, when you're asking it to do things that take courage, that take, um, that, you know, require something of it, it has had the time and the space to be able to rejuvenate. Right. But when we are constantly in this like little toe in here, little toe in there, over here, I should be doing this, I should be doing that, I'm over here as well. When our brain is in that space, what happens is it has to um create the it has to create the space to rest. And the way that it does that is that it starts to do things like put you into thoughts that could create burnout. It starts to um, say, like, actually, my body needs a rest. Yeah, it makes you sick. Yeah. I'm going to be sick. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to bring on sickness. Makes you forget things so that there's space to not think about doing exactly. things. Exactly. Often it, we go into, like, the overwhelm side of things. We go into the exhaustion side of things. We go into burnout. And really that is our brain saying, if you are not going to give me the space to be able to rest, I'm going to need to create it. Well, I'll make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And to create it, it's not necessarily going to be in healthy ways. It's not going to be in ways that serve us to the best of our ability because our brain is a muscle. It can't just continue to go and go and go and go and go. It needs time to rest and recover. So with clean rest, if you have that practice in your life, what you're doing is you're giving the signals to your brain to say, I'm requiring something of you now. Let's go. Mm. Right. And your brain goes, boom, I'm going to, I'm going to go here and I'm going to be productive. I'm going to be effective. I'm going to, you know, create things that take courage. I'm going to create things that maybe um, make me feel vulnerable, whatever it may be that we're requiring or re requiring of our brain in that space. Our brain is going to go, I'm up to the challenge because I know that there is going to be rest coming my way. Yeah, I love that. This is exactly how stress works, right? Like stress yeah. is not designed for us to be in a state of stress all the time where it's, the body is designed to go into a state of stress, to use it, to like grow, develop, rise to a challenge and then come back out so that and then go into rest and digest. And But the problem is, is we're staying in a state of stress, which then becomes chronic, which is then when we get unwell and sick. And this is exactly the same thing, right? Like yeah, when we're constantly in that go, go, go for prong really prolonged periods of time, the brain will be like, I'm going to make yes. you take time off now. And, you know, and, and again, like we're missing those signals, like everything that you explained before, it's like, we're not paying attention because your body getting sick is the last signal. Yeah. Like it's been trying to tell you with 
the waking at 2 a.m. or the brain fog or the missing things or making mistakes or, you know, having constant fights with people. Like those are all signs that there is something in this and the sickness is that kind of last one. And, you know, it's like take the rest or yeah, it'll be given to you in a way that is not helpful. And I think what's really important about this though is that recognizing and I do a lot of a lot of work with this, particularly in the mental load side of things, but recognizing that like nothing has gone wrong in this process, right? Our brain is just doing the job that it's meant to do, right? It's actually doing what is required of it. It's just that, like you say, we don't, we haven't necessarily paid attention to some of the the, the signs that it's been trying to to show us. So I really want people not to go into this because I know mums particularly go into that like. That then brings on guilt, that then brings on Mm. shame, that then brings on them thinking that they're not good enough and all these things. And it's actually quite liberating to see that actually nothing has gone wrong here. Like my brain is functioning in the exact way that it should be functioning in how I've taught it to function over such a long amount of time. Absolutely. right. Nothing has gone wrong here. It's just that now you can start to learn um, an alternative way of your brain functioning. Right. And inviting that into your space, inviting that into your practice, inviting that into your life gives your brain another option to be able to work towards. And again, like I say, it's a practice because your brain is very comfortable in the space that it's currently in. So it's going to want to go back there as often as possible. It doesn't want to expend any extra energy than it has to. But if we can intentionally see this as a practice and building the strength of that practice, same with sharing our mental load, right? it feels really uncomfortable for people to do that. Even though in the same idealized way, it's like, oh, I'd love to share my mental load. Yeah, of course. Like I want to share it. I want to offload it. That's what I want. But then we start to do it and all these things come up and, you know. Like why can't I handle it? Like I should be able to handle it. Like why should I have to share this? Exactly. Or it's really hard to have those conversations or I feel like I'm failing as a mother if I am having to share or ask for help or whatever it is, Right. And suddenly it's like, actually, this is, again, being in that growth mindset of seeing how we can see this as a practice, as an alternative way to build this skill into our lives, which offers an alternative into the future. Yeah, so yes, I love we're that. going to get the benefits of that immediately, but in a longer term sense, there's going to be ups and downs. It's gonna, I still experience times where I find it really challenging to share or offload my mental load, or I find it really challenging to be in pure clean rest. And I've been doing this for about five or six years now. And so being able to actually access the fact that in the moment, oh, nothing's gone wrong. It's just that my brain's continually learning, continuing to learn and become comfortable in this new way of thinking and this new way of approaching things. And yes, that sometimes takes courage and that sometimes takes extra effort but I can see over the amount of time into the future it's a much more sustainable choice for myself for my family and so I'm investing this extra effort into that yeah I love that I'm letting it be okay that my brain might go back to that you know default state every now and again as well yeah, I tell my clients all the time, like when we're doing mindset work, I was like, prepare for the brain to not want to do this or prepare yeah. for the brain to go back to old patterns. Yeah. Because then when it happens, you're like, oh, I knew this was going to happen. This is totally fine. And yeah, I love what you said. Like, and I, and I, I do not use language like right or wrong, good or bad, because nothing is right or wrong, good or bad. It's just, is this supporting me or not supporting me? If it's not supporting me, what would I like to choose again? Like, how would I like to show up? And again, like that comes from a place of like that self-compassion, like non-judgment of it, like the brain's just being the brain. Like it's kept you alive this long. It must not be that bad, you know? So again, like, yeah. And what can we choose to do with that? So I really love that. Okay. So to make this really practical. I'd love if you could share three to five tips, tools, or strategies that listeners can take away and put into practice right now to better support their mental load and to enjoy a bit more clean rest. Uh, If you've already shared some, that's totally cool. You just like funnel it down, re-summarize it into our three to five at the end here. That would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think, yeah, like you say, if you've listened to this much of the episode, I'm sure that you've got lots of practical tips. I think for me, when I was really thinking about this in in a funneled way, there were a couple of things that came up for me. The first was the practice of journaling. Now, 
I love journaling. I've created my own mindset journal for mums that I that I create or that I sell to mums. But really, for me, when we're talking about the awareness, when we're talking about recognizing what it is that the mental load is, or how I am feeling in clean rest, how uncomfortable clean rest really does feel currently, right? For me, being able to have that space to journal it out in a space that feels safe, in a space that I feel like I can truly just be honest and and open is the primary way that I have been able to be as transparent and as self-aware about the process of learning what is actually on my mind. Because I know that if I'm sharing that with someone else or I'm sharing that in a conversation, I do have filters on, right? Whatever so the, true. the beliefs that I have going on in my life, they are going to come out and they are going to somehow filter how I speak to other people. Whereas with journaling, and again, some days I journal for a long time, some days I don't journal at all, some days I journal for five minutes, whatever it is, right? But that practice in my life has really given me a space to um, recognize what's going on. What's well, a conversation with yourself, right? Like, you know, if journaling doesn't resonate, it's like, I'm just, I want to find out what's going on for me. Like I'm just having a conversation with myself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And it's also that ability for us to kind of build in that, that valve, that release valve in our lives. When so much of what we've talked about is that quote unquote normalized way of thinking, It's like, actually, how can I get back to the space of figuring out what is normal for me and what Mm. I want to be normal? So the first one I would say is the practice of journaling. Incredibly helpful. I know that that is out everywhere, but I can't, um, I can't go through this as a practical way without it or as go through practical tips without suggesting it because it is seriously amazing. The next one that I was thinking of is listening to my podcast. (laughs) I have a podcast as well. And really the most, um, when I'm thinking of this, I'm thinking I, one of the goals that I have for my own podcast is really giving practical, relatable stories on how these scenarios play out in our actual lives. So if you are interested in this stuff, if you want to learn more about clean rest and mental load, go and listen. And most episodes will have some kind of practical element to it. So then And again, you might like to dip in every now and again, you might, once you've done a little bit of work around this and recognizing that what your, or that your mental load is there and that it exists, right? That might be the first part in just your journaling. And then you might go, okay, hang on. I I can recognize that this is becoming apparent. How can I access some, some support around this? The reason that I say that is that often I like to, almost seek out information when and if I need it Mm -hmm. because I can I went through a stage of really over consuming a lot of information Mm -hmm. and that didn't necessarily help my mental load (laughs) that really did the opposite so for me I really like to have that self-awareness and the journaling is the way that I do that that self-awareness and then once I can see you know maybe that sign for you that you were talking about over the next week once I can see that that is really prevalent and something that I need to focus on, then I can go and outsource the information that I need. Instead of being in this constant state of consuming, mm. to me just didn't really, I, I knew enough about myself. I had enough self-awareness that I could see that that wasn't serving me. It wasn't helping me or supporting me. It was actually just making me go into comparison. It was making me going into overwhelm. It was making me feel more depleted that ebbs and flows like there's times that I consume a lot more than other times but that tended to be something that has helped me over over time and the last one that I thought I would share is really around planning for and accepting our reality rather than our ideal Mm. and I think for so many people we have um, unrealistic expectations right? We have all these things that we have that we would like to do, that we would like to achieve, that we would, and I am all for striving and having, and, you know, really um, having big goals for ourselves, but equally on a day-to-day sense, I have found that the way that I plan for my reality has helped me to reduce so much of the mental load because I'm not layering extra layers of expectations on top. Right. And so instead of like those things were not going to get done anyway, (laughs) right, they were not going to get done. But with me having them all on on my list, in a much easier sense, I would go into this space of 
expectation, of guilt, of shame, of not enoughness, of all the stories that we've talked about, um, you know, society has kind of put into us. Whereas when I started to go, okay, this is the reality. This is what I have available to me. This is my capacity. This is my time. This is what I'd like to get done in an outcomes-based sense and plan from that space, not from my ideal space. Mm. What it meant was that I could strip off of all those extra layers and instead of me going into procrastination and my brain trying to overwhelm me and not getting anything done, I'm actually just getting the things done that are in my reality, right? Yeah. Time compounds so much more. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, as you're explaining all of that, I'm like, I mean, the majority of our suffering comes because of the the attention we pay to what we expected to happen versus what's actually happening. So it's like, how can I just be with what's happening? How can I just, yeah, recognize it, notice it? And then what is actually available for me to change? You know, and nine times out of 10, like when you are tired, your mental load's heavy, all, you know, life is full. Nine times out of 10, there isn't actually the capacity in that moment to shift, to change and being okay with that as well. Like that's that self-compassion piece, you know, of sometimes we can't change reality right now, but how can I just be in it? And then how can I make a different, take a different action or make a different choice or show up differently or, you know, do something to shift me in this next moment. But how can I just be and accept Accept, the reality? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love those. Those are amazing. Thank you. Journaling. uh, Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Journaling podcast. We will, if you do have specific episodes uh, that, you know, could be like kind of starters, uh, we can add those into the show notes as well. And people can just go straight to a couple of those, but uh, we will also link your, your podcast is also linked in the show notes as well. So you can easily go (laughs) and find Michelle there. So this has just been amazing. This has been wonderful. I know I could talk to you for like hours and hours and hours. There's so much in this topic that maybe I'll need to bring you back for another one to dive into a couple of aspects. But some staple questions that I have for all guests at the end of the episode, uh, which can be really helpful for listeners. Uh, quick fire, so I'll ask them now. What is your number one energy filling practice you do consistently? Mm-hmm. Um, I... I could I couldn't think of just one, so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to accept three from me. First one was ocean walks. Being by ocean, being by water, in some way, shape, or form, is 100% my most energy filling practice. But then I had two others. The other one was like a slowly brewed cup of tea. I just love. Like I'm so old school in that sense, but absolutely love it. And like, yeah, the excitement that goes around that. And the last one was journaling for me. Perfect. I. I don't think that's old school. I think that that is so powerful of like like the the time. Yeah. Like being being in it, being in the time instead of like, oh, quick, 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 right? Because we'll just quick, quick. I love that. Beautiful. What is one mindset reminder you focus on to boost your confidence? This is an interesting one because I think for me, confidence really comes from a place of feeling Um, And I could probably think on this a lot more, (laughs) but confidence really comes from a place of like where my brain is functioning from. And one term that has really, or one phrase that has really shifted so much for me over the last probably five or six years is just purely, that's okay. And that's okay. And it has lightened so much of those layers of expectation for me. It's allowed me to accept so much more than to expend so much more in fighting whatever it is that I'm trying to fight in my own brain, right? Mm. Once I could allow myself to say, yeah, that's okay. Suddenly I was accepting of these things. I was moving through them. I was processing them much quicker. I was expending less energy in the resentment towards them. Which actually allowed me to then do something about it as opposed to just sitting in, in the, yeah, in the like inaction of it. I love that. Yeah. Cause I like, like, it's just such a great brain short circuit, like a circuit breaker of like, that's okay. Cause as soon as we can say that's okay, we can take our brain out of what am I making this mean about me? What's the story I'm telling myself about it? Blah, 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 blah. Versus like, that's okay. Like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm going to take And I think for me, so much of it is there's the space between like wanting to deep dive, wanting to find the answers, wanting to figure out exactly where this is all coming from. 
And sometimes that is really appropriate and I need to do that. Other times I just need to accept that this is the case and allow myself to move on from it or move through it, right? Yeah. So it doesn't always have to be in this space of like really deep dive. It's important. And I now recognize when I need to do that. But a lot of the time for me, it's just the acceptance that this is what is happening and that allows me to actually move forward. I'm so glad you actually, and this is like a whole other thing. Maybe this is an episode I need to potentially do, but like (laughs) this is one of the dark sides of of the self-development movement and the self-development world is like the obsession with like, figuring it out what's where did where in my childhood did this come from what's the trauma and like I mean you know not not to belittle trauma like but it's just like this over obsession with like the finding the root and sometimes it's like maybe we don't need to find the root maybe we just need to accept that what happened happened or this is the outcome or this is the result and that's and okay. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love that. Cause I, and I, and I know that this is definitely a dark side of being a coach is you feel like you constantly have to self-coach yourself of like, oh, but I'm a coach. I can't, this can't be happening. And I definitely noticed that with that first year of parenthood, it's like, because I knew what I knew and what I teach, I made it wrong yeah. to experience a lot of what I was experiencing versus just in that moment going, that's okay. Cause I'm human. And I've never done this before. And of course, this is going to come up and that makes sense. And that's okay. Oh my gosh, you've just changed my life again. Oh (laughs) oh my gosh. I love that one. And last one, what is one boundary that you uphold that supports you to be your best? I think one boundary that has been a huge learning curve for me and is still a work in progress, but it's definitely one that I've found allows me to be my best self and show up completely differently in my life is that I am not responsible for other people's emotions, Mm. right? And that everyone's emotions are valid, right? And, but, and I don't need to protect other people in my life from feeling different ways that they feel, right? It doesn't actually serve me to take on other people's emotions for a very, 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 very long time in my life. I am such an empathizer. I'm such a feeler. I like take these on like genuinely. But what I've now learned is that I don't need to protect other people from feeling whatever they're feeling. I don't have to be responsible for the way that they're feeling, which allows me then the space to actually support them and feel and be there for them in that in the way that they are feeling. Instead of me trying to like run around it and stop them from feeling it and then exhausting myself in the process or taking those on and me having to process them and feel them. Now it's like, it's okay that they're feeling that way. And I now have the emotional capacity to be able to support them in that process. Right. And that allows them to feel those feelings and to move through them, but also it allows me much more capacity to, to support them, to feel, feel that. So I think that boundary is, yeah, I'm just not responsible for, for other people's emotions. I, love that one that is absolutely one that I practice too I still get caught up in it of course because we're all human 100% yeah you know (laughs) but again yeah like unless I directly and maliciously created that emotion for someone through my own actions you know through bad behavior or whatever it might be or you know malicious intent I can't I can't be responsible yeah and responsible more from the aspect of changing like right like changing it for them oh Love it. That is such a powerful one. That's such a powerful one. Oh my goodness. That's a whole other thing that we can talk about, but okay. <laughs> we're going to end this here. This was absolutely amazing. Thank you so much, Michelle. So much for having me. Oh, this is going to be so helpful. Like, I mean, you blew my mind, like how many times and I follow <laughs> your content. I listen to your episodes, your podcast <laughs> as well. And you still blew my mind, which is just amazing. Where can people find you? Where are you most active? And we'll also add that into the show notes as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I am on Instagram um, at michelle.c.weeks. That is where I do a lot of my um, social media. I also have my website, which is www.michelleweeks.com.au. I'm based in Australia, obviously. Um, And then my podcast, which is a Mother's Mind podcast as well. So those are the main three elements for me, yeah. 
Amazing. Um, I will also ask um, you to provide me a link of where your journals are, if they're currently available, because I know that there'll probably be quite a few listeners who are mums who will want uh, to have a lovely, beautiful, dedicated space. I have one of these journals. It's called A Little Moment to Just Be Me. It's very beautiful. It's guided, plus there's uh, some free space as well. So, you know, if journaling is something that you struggle or feel challenged to do you know you're like oh but I don't know what to write and like what do I even say there's some prompts and and things that for different things you might be experiencing which can be really helpful just to yes you're not starting with a blank page sometimes so we'll add that in as well so thank you so much Michelle this was just so amazing loved your energy Uh, if you enjoyed this episode please uh, let us know either contact yeah get in touch with Michelle or myself and let us know and if there's anything else you want to hear from Michelle definitely check in on her podcast or let me know if there is anything you want me to dive in deeper with her and I can potentially bring her back so thank you so much everyone and thank you again Michelle thanks everyone Thank you for listening to this episode of Lead With Less, the podcast for confident professionals with me, Tash Peterson. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. As a thank you, each month, one lucky reviewer will get a 45-minute one-to-one coaching session with me where you will get the tools and strategies to lead with less burnout, overwhelm, and self-doubt. And if you know anyone who could benefit from listening to the show, then please do share this with them and help me reach as many confident professionals as possible.